0: sounds like that's gonna explode good morning Uh, I'm Greg I'm one of the pastors here I think in the bulletin it says I'm Gary Smith I'm not Um, unless this goes badly and then I am (laughs) so let's hope that doesn't happen so last week, we're, we're going through the whole Bible in five weeks, which is crazy, right? Oh, if you, if you need a study guide, um, raise your hand and Don or someone else, Bruce will get you one. Um, I'm not the greatest with PowerPoint, so hopefully we'll get those up there and you'll be able to fill in your little blanks and it'll be awesome for you. Um, but, but I'm really excited that we're covering the Bible in five weeks, and it's also really scary. Um, I'm excited, it, it, especially if you are new to the Bible. Um, or, or maybe you just, you feel like you don't really understand what's going on with the Bible, um, that's awesome that you, that you get to come and, and, and hear, like, the whole story in five weeks. Like, I wish, in some ways I wish, that I could go back and, and, and not know what's in the Bible and get to start totally afresh. Like, wouldn't that be so great? Uh, there's a, a, a fictional series of books that I've read twice um, really long, long enough that I couldn't remember, like when I was going through a year later the second time, I couldn't remember like how everything went down. I mean, I knew the very end, but I couldn't figure out who's going to be good in the story and bad, and it was awesome. Like it was so exciting for me all over again, and I hope that as we go through this, like there's some of that for, for, for you even if you've been in the church for, for a long, long time, um, but but the Bible is uh, is incredible. I read um, or I heard about someone who wrote uh, something in, in some major publication, something like Time magazine, and this was years ago, and uh, this person wrote that, that the Bible was, uh, was, was man's attempt to reach God. And man, that is so far from, true, from the truth. Um, I actually read someone last week, and they said that, that, that the Bible uh, is an act of God revealing himself to us. That's so awesome. So I'm going to pray, and then uh, we'll jump into this. God, I thank you that you've given us your word. God, you're so gracious to let us know what, what we need to know about you and about ourselves, Father. God, uh, today and, and, and through this series, Lord, would you reveal yourself to us, God. Uh, for those who are, who are hearing these things for the first time, how great is that, and I pray that you would and you'd speak to hearts, Lord. And for those of us that have, that have heard these things over and over again, God, I pray that, that they would be new to us too, Lord. That, that you would show us how badly we need you, Jesus. God, reveal yourself today. Holy Spirit, there is, you know, like, this is a huge chunk today we're going through. Will you help me to cut out the things that, that I just don't even need to talk about? Will you help me to go slow and not get too excited? In your name, amen. All right, so last week... Gary covered Genesis 1 through 11. This week, I'm covering Genesis, starting at 12, through First and Second Kings. And the problem is I signed up for this. <laughs> Gary gave me choices, and I said, I want that one. So, uh, so in the beginning, uh, in the first 11 chapters, we already see that there's this pattern of sin, and then judgment, and then grace. Genesis chapter 11, we have the Tower of Babel, the people... Um, they're about themselves they're about their own glory so there's the sin the judgment comes when he disperses them he confuses the language but we don't see the grace yet Um, in 11 this man is mentioned named Abram you may be more familiar with him as Abraham so we pick up in Genesis 12 um, with Abraham and there's so many major things that we will have to skip and you just have to deal with that today Um, and actually probably next week too uh, but let's, let's pull up the next slide. Oh, well, so God promises to make Abraham a great nation. So Genesis 12, 2. Um, go ahead and pull that out for me, Alex. It says, I will make of you a great nation, and I will bless you and make your name great so that you will be a blessing. And verse 3 is an episode, but I'm going to read that as well. I will bless those who bless you, and him who dishonors you I will curse. And in you, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. And there's a couple different times when God has Abraham look at the stars, right? The stars that he created, God created. And he said, I, I'm going to make your, your seed, your offspring, as numerable as the stars, or as innumerable as the stars, and, and as the sand on the seashore. Um, so Abraham's like, all right, this sounds like a plan. I just got to go. So he leaves. He's 75 years old. Uh, his wife, uh, Sarai, uh, her name later will be Sarah. Um, she's about 65, it seems like. Um, now Abraham, is, or Abram, is traveling with a lot of people. Like I always thought it was just him, his wife, maybe a couple of people. Uh, there's one point just within a couple chapters where, where his relative is in big trouble, gets, gets captured, and uh, Abram uh, rounds up 318 of his trained men. So there's a lot of people going with him as he's going around. Um, even though God just told him, I'm going to do this great thing. And, and, and Abram believed, and, and he's going. Um, Abram ha, has a, a pattern of, of taking things into his own hands, right? He ends up going to Egypt because there's a famine. Um, his wife, Sarah, says she's beautiful. Uh, he comes up to her and he says, hey, you are gorgeous. They are going to kill me if they find out I'm your husband. Let's say you're my sister, right? Not a good plan, husbands or future husbands. <laughs> God is still gracious, though, even though Abram uh, really isn't, he, he, he's not trusting what God said, because if he's dead, obviously, like, this isn't going to happen, right? So uh, he takes it in his own hands. God rescues him anyway. He ends up doing this a second time, but he needs to learn that, um, that the gospel will only be fulfilled by God acting, not by him acting, and I think we would do well to learn that. Uh, Genesis 15 is so awesome. It's so great. We're going to have two, I, I think a couple of people come up and read that. And I want you to pay attention uh, to this story. It's crazy. We could spend the whole time on this story, but we don't get to. Very great. Hmm. <laughs> Your very own son shall be your heir. And he brought him outside and said, Look toward heaven and number the stars, if you are able to number them. Then he said to him, So shall your offspring be. And he believed the Lord, and he counted it to Making him this giant promise, thank you, um, and, uh, and and it says it uh, he he believed God and God counted it as righteous, um, and then he says I'm going to give you this land, okay? Uh, and and Abr- Abram's like, well, wait, how do I know you're going to do that? And then God says, bring me a heifer, which I always I know it didn't go down this way, but I imagine him saying it in like this country, like bring me a heifer. Um, <laughs> not at all how it happened, but. He says, "Bring me a Bring bring me these animals." And uh, to us, that's super weird, way foreign. Like, if someone, if you're making an agreement with someone and they say that to you, you better be like on a ranch or something. Um, but to Abram, he he understands what's going down. This is this is covenant language. Okay, so a covenant, really simply, there's there's a way more technical definition that we could use, but a covenant, it, it, it's an agreement between two parties that is binding. Okay, now normally, uh, the, the two parties would each have things that they need to fulfill, and if they don't, then the other one's let out of the, the, the covenant, right? So, um, Abram knows this. He, he's well aware. So, when, when he's told to bring these animals, he, he knows the animals are going to be cut down the middle, and, and they're going to be separated, and there's going to be like this aisle way, right? And um, what would happen is, as you, as you take that, that promise, uh, you walk between those, and, and you, uh, it's believed that you're saying if I don't fulfill this, may this happen to me. May I be cut, torn apart like these animals, right? So he, he's expecting, okay, this is my turn. Like, I'm getting a great deal. I'm going to make this promise, even though I could end up like this, right? Like these animals. Well, God doesn't let that happen. God, God, God causes him to, to fall asleep, and, and God goes through it himself, right? This is absolutely incredible, and I'm so nervous that I I can't explain it. Um, But but, uh, Tim Keller said, it's as if he is saying, God is saying, not only will I be torn to pieces if I don't keep my promise, I'll be torn to pieces if you don't keep it. Yeah, right? If I could do a backflip right now, I would do one. (laughs) This is unbelievable what God is saying. To this man, he doesn't let him go through. God says, no, I'm going to make this happen. Only I can make this happen. We could sit here for another 30 minutes and that. We've got to keep going. He believes God. He trusts him. Chapter later, uh, he doesn't have a child, right? He doesn't have his own kid yet. And yet, he's supposed to be made into a great nation. Well, his wife says, here, take my Egyptian servant. Make a kid with her. So again, he takes things into his own hands. Ishmael is born. Um, he, he, again, is trying to do what only God can do. So we get to Genesis chapter 17. Uh, Abraham or Abram is 99 years old at this point. Verse 1, God says, I am Almighty God. Walk before me. Be blameless that I may make a covenant between me and you. That's a little strange because he's already made a covenant, but we're about to see the sign of that covenant, uh, which is circumcision, which is just an, it's a physical... Uh, it demonstrates physically that they, that, that they are God's people. So all the Israelites were supposed to get circumcised, all the males. Um, God changes his name from Abram, which means exalted father, to Abraham, father of a multitude, right? So he's reminding him, I said I'm going to do this. I am going to do this in you. So next slide, I think, Alex. Oh, next one after that. Uh, this is in your little study guide. God promises the land uh, of Canaan to Abraham's Offspring, And I, I want to read, um, this won't be up there, but I, I just want to read in Genesis 17, the I will language that God uses. This is uh, verses 6 through 8. It says, I will make you exceedingly fruitful. I will make you into nations, and kings shall come from you. And I will establish my covenant between me and you and your offspring after you throughout the generations for an everlasting covenant to be God to you and to your offspring after you. I will give to you and to your offspring after you the land of your sojournings, all the land of Canaan, for an everlasting possession, and I will be their God. Absolutely incredible what he's doing. And even though there will be generations that that live outside of the promised land, um, God is saying this is going to happen. So Genesis 21, we have this miracle son born, and 100 years old, he's Isaac. Um, uh, Sarah's 90, this, the promised son that has been waiting for, that they didn't see how it could happen, that um, obviously it has to be a miracle that God could do this. He's finally there. Um, Genesis 22, some of you know the story. Uh, God asks, asks Abraham, Abraham to sacrifice his son Isaac. God ends up providing um, the, the, the sacrifice for him so that Isaac didn't have to be. And then it says this in, in verse 18. Um, and in your offspring shall all the nations of the earth be blessed because you have obeyed me. So right from the beginning, this plan that God has for salvation is universal. It may seem like it is just for Israel at this point, but, but, but there's uh, to Abram it, or Abraham, it was an illusion. to us. We can look back and go, oh yeah, this is what he was doing the whole time. He wanted to reconcile man to himself. So, Abraham has Isaac, and we're going to fly here, so hold on. Abraham has Isaac. Isaac has Jacob and Esau. Esau's the older son. He's like the manly man, right? Uh, he, would, he would shop at Cabela's. Is anybody excited about Cabela's coming into town? So pumped. Yep. I feel like a man when I'm there. I mean, I already feel like a man, but when I, well, this doesn't matter. When I'm at Cabela's, it's awesome. Uh, anyway, so Esau, manly man. He doesn't even need Cabela's, actually. He probably just whittles things and kills. Um Jacob is a twerp, right, he's a little punk, his name means deceiver, right, not a good dude, he's a a mama's boy, not if there's anything wrong with that, I'm just saying. Um, He goes and he he steals the birthright from, uh, are our kids in here, Lindsay? No, sweet, okay, steals the birthright, Uh, the younger brother tricks him over a pot of stew, right, I saw this happen with my kids. My older kid, they have to to pick a movie together. I'm like, you guys aren't watching a movie unless you decide together, right? And they can't decide. So my older son is offering, if I get to pick this one, I'll let you pick the next five. My daughter's like, no way. (laughs) Boom, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. No way. Like He is giving away the farm. I'm like, what is wrong with you? I didn't think this happened, but it did. Anyway, so (laughs) Jacob is blessed by God. Okay, Jacob has twelve sons. One of those sons' name is Joseph, and we, I think our next sermon series after this is on Joseph. So it's okay that I'm flying through this now. So Joseph, he's hated by his brothers, right? Um, he, he's got all these crazy dreams, all these things happen. Anyway, they decide to sell him into slavery, right? Through a crazy series of events, uh, he ends up becoming the the second in command in Egypt. Under Pharaoh, right? Uh, there's going to be this giant famine. Uh, God reveals this plan to him. Uh, the plan is so good that, that not only will uh, will Egypt survive, but or yeah, survive. They're going to thrive. Okay. Fast forward, his brothers are, are back in their land and they're starving. The, the famine has affected them. They need uh, they need food. They hear there's grain in Egypt, so they go. They end up meeting face to face. Long story short, there, um, Joseph finally reveals like, hey. I'm your brother. Um, uh, Jacob, who is now called Israel, uh, he's told, hey, Joseph's there. He wants us to move there. He's going to take care of us. They all move. Pharaoh's super happy for them, right? The whole family's there. Israel grows and grows and grows. Joseph gets old. He dies. All his family dies. Uh, Eventually, the Egyptian leaders that knew Joseph and all the good stuff that he did, they die. Gets to the point where nobody remembers, Egyptian leader-wise, no one remembers The good stuff that Joseph did. They see these Israelites who are foreigners, and they're like, man, these guys are getting wealthy. They're getting strong. They're getting to be huge. We need to do something about this. So they're afraid of them, and when you fear someone, apparently you make them a slave. So they make them slaves, right? Four hundred years they're slaves. When I read something like that, I think, oh, my goodness, I am so impatient, right? So I sit and watch my microwave, (laughs) Like one minute, I'm so impatient. I don't understand 400 years. the the passage that the Matt, the Mats, Matt and Matt read for us in Genesis 15, in verse 13, God says, "This is going to happen for 400 years. Your people will be enslaved, but I'm going to take care of it." Right. So they know it's coming, but still, 400 years is absolutely amazing. I, I cannot imagine generations waiting, waiting and waiting. I get impatient if I'm praying for something, honestly, for weeks or months, right? Like, I don't, I don't understand 400 years. But in, in their captivity, uh, man, we, we find that humanity is, is also captive. Um, it's a parallel for us that humanity is captive to sin, and, and there's no human effort that, uh, that can free us from that sin. The slavery is an apparent contradiction to the covenant promise that that God has made. Um, And it makes me think, man, how often do I actually trust God and what He has promised? And how often do I question God? Do I question if He's good? Do I question if if He really will do what He said He's going to do? I loved the words of that song. I lean not on my own understanding. My life is in the hands of the maker of heaven. I wonder if we're constantly trying to figure out what God is doing uh, when we don't like the circumstances. And, and, and maybe there are times where that is good to, to do. Um, but I think more often than not, it's really not productive and we're wasting what God is doing in us. I, uh, sometimes I imagine going to heaven and I, don't, I have no idea if it's going to go down like this. This is not in the Bible. Um, but I imagine going to heaven and getting to talk with God and, and I don't know if he's going to like show me like a, a movie of my life or something or if he just explains it. And, and, and seeing especially the hard times, like what he was doing, and, and I don't know, I don't think this will be the feeling, but, but on this side of heaven, I can't, I can't imagine it being any other way, but I just think I'll be so embarrassed. Like, I think I'll go, oh man, God I had no idea. I had no idea what you were doing when my mom had cancer. I had no clue how you were working in my life when I didn't make money for 10 months. God, I had no idea that you were using this tragedy in my life to do this. I have no clue, God. And I look, and I go, man, why am I always trying to figure it out? Why do I think? Do I think God's messing with me? Like, is that who God is? We don't have time. we got to keep going. <laughs> All right, so back to Israel. Uh, God takes Moses. Moses. Uh, Moses, uh, Pharaoh wants all the, the, the little Egyptian uh, boys killed, right? Moses' mom is like, no way that's happened. She makes a waterproof basket. He's floating in the river. Princess finds, uh, finds him. Um, God makes it so that Moses is actually with his own mom as, as he's grown up for a bit, and then eventually he, he's with the princess, raised as an Egyptian, right? Awesome how God has prepared Moses being, being a Hebrew, and, and, and living as an Egyptian for what he's about to do. Uh, I wonder how, how is God preparing us for, for what he has for us. Anyway, God reveals himself to Moses years later. He says, I am the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the one who made a covenant promise. He announces that he's going to free his people, and he's going to get them to the promised land. You need to go to Pharaoh. There's a bunch of other stuff that happens, obviously, but he goes to Pharaoh. Pharaoh's like, what? Who is the Lord that I should obey him and let Israel go? Well, he's about to find out. God uh, God sends ten different plagues, and they demonstrate God's mighty power. Um, Pharaoh, each time, the first nine, refuses to let them go, but the tenth and final plague, uh, it it breaks him. On One one horrible night, God passes through the land in judgment, uh, and every Egyptian firstborn is killed. Um, The firstborn... Uh, of the Israelites deserves to die as well because they too are sinners, but God graciously provides them a way of escape. Each family is to kill a lamb instead and put its blood on the door frame of the house. Moses tells them in uh, Exodus 12:23, "When the Lord goes through the land to strike down the Egyptians, he will see the blood on the top and the sides of the door frame and will pass over that doorway. He will not permit the destroyer to enter that house and strike you down." So Israel's taught a really important lesson here uh, through the Passover, that, that God saves by substitution through the shedding of blood. It's the only way to escape judgment. So Pharaoh lets him go. Uh, they take off. Eventually, Pharaoh has a change of heart. He chases them. Uh, they're cornered between these chariots coming after him and the Red Sea. God parts the Red Sea. They walk on dry land. The Egyptians come in. The water engulfs them. Um, God very clearly does what only God can do, Moses couldn't do this. The Israelites can do it. Only God could do this. So I think this is our next slide. Uh, God frees Israel from Egypt through Moses. Um, Exodus nineteen four, which I think is on our next slide, perhaps. Yes, you yourselves have seen what I've done to the Egyptians and how I bore you on eagles' wings and brought you to myself, right? So it is God that freed them. And um, uh, the captivity in Egypt is over. The Exodus demonstrates that the captivity of the human race, the powers of evil, uh, and the necessary power of work of God himself to rescue his people from that slavery. So next slide. Israel is to be a holy nation among the nations. Um, this is, uh, I'm going to read for you Exodus 19. Four through six, and it might be up there. I can't remember. Um, It says, You yourselves have seen, uh, sorry, I just read this, but you yourselves have seen what I did to the Egyptians and how I bore you on eagles' wings and brought you to myself. Now, therefore, if you will indeed obey my voice and keep my covenant, you shall be my treasured possession among all the peoples, for all the earth is mine, and you shall be to me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. These are the words that you shall speak to the people of Israel. So he says that to Moses. Uh, God gives his law then to govern his people. Uh, This this happens in in Exodus 20. So um, it's really important to understand that that his people, like he just redeemed his people. They've already been redeemed. Then he gives the law. The law is not a way for them to earn righteousness, to earn redemption. It it is God's work that does that. Romans 3.20 says, "...for by works of the law no human being will be justified in his sight, since through the law comes the knowledge of sin." So, so the law shows us we're messed up. We're sinners. We cannot do it on our own. It points to Jesus. The law convicts us of our sin. Uh, Galatians uh, 3.13 talks about Jesus. Be, he, he takes on the curse. He becomes the curse for us that, that we should have because of the law. Um, so, so God gives the, the law to his people. Um, when, when God's people are under his rule, they can enjoy his, his presence and his blessings. So the next slide. God dwells with his people through the tabernacle um, and, then, and then the temple. Uh, so uh, God sets up his tent in their midst. The tabernacle is this big tent, right? Um, and it's, it's the tent in which God's presence is going to be focused among them as they travel, to the promised land so god gives moses these instructions right so we've got to ask ourselves like now we know the law shows us our sins so how can god set up his tent uh, among a sinful people uh, it comes through sacrifice uh right so in, in this tabernacle like there are daily sacrifices for our sins right daily i can't imagine what a reminder that would be to me to know that every day there is a sacrifice there's blood being shed for my sins. And then there's the big one, once a year, the Day of Atonement, um, where, where the, the high priest goes into the Holy of Holies um, to make this sacrifice. Um, but even with these sacrifices, like sin is never fully dealt with, right? Like it, Even though God is there, there's a, there's a nearness to God, but still this distance and separation because uh, of our sin. Fast forward. So they're traveling, it should have only taken them a couple of months. It ends up taking them 40 years um, be, because of their disobedience. Um, and and the, there's just a cycle of struggle that goes on. We, we go to the book of Judges. We can't even get into it. But over and over again, it says uh, the people did what was evil in the sight of the Lord. Then the book of Judges ends with this. It says, in those days, there was no king in Israel. Everyone did what was right in his own eyes. The very last judge was a good judge. His name is Samuel. Um, and he was doing a good job, but when he got old, he, he appointed his wicked, wicked sons. They were totally corrupt. And uh, the the elders of Israel are fed up. And they're like, "Man, give us a king! Like we want a king so that we can be like the nations, right?" Um, and God God's upset with them for for, uh, for that request, um, not because they want a king, but because their motivation, uh, be, but because of their motivation in asking for one, they want a king instead of God. Um, they, uh, it's their desire to be like these other nations, rejecting God's own kingship over them, which is what made them unique. So even though their request is sinful, God gives them what they ask for, and Saul is appointed king. Um, but Saul's not that great. He makes a, a, a ton of mistakes. Uh, so eventually, um, God chooses David to be king, to rule his people. Um, 2 Samuel 7, uh, we see the Davidic covenant. Um, Uh, I'm going to read verses 8 through 16. Are they up there? Yes, I'm going to read from there. Now, therefore, thus you shall say to my servant David, Thus says the Lord of hosts, I took you from the pasture from fallen sheep. He was just this little insignificant shepherd boy, um, that you should be prince over my people Israel. And I've been with you wherever you went. And I've cut off all your enemies from before you, and I will make for you a great name, like the name of the great ones of the earth. And I will appoint a place for my people Israel, and will plant them, so that they may dwell in their own place and be disturbed by no one. Right? Like God has promised that you're going to have this land. And violent men shall uh, afflict them no more as formerly. David and Israel that a true king will come from David's family line, and that king will be the king that they wanted, or that they should have wanted, that God had in mind for them the whole time. Uh, the their Messiah who will forever reign. So David's son his name is named Solomon. Uh, he's a good king for a while. Um, there, there's peace in the land, like they haven't experienced. Uh, tons of wealth. He builds the temple. The Ark is there. Everything seems good, and then Solomon marries. Uh, Foreign, foreign women that worship idols. And after a little bit of time, he's worshiping those idols too. And, and he's, he, he's betrayed. Uh, he's betrayed worshiping God. Um, but for David's sake, he does not put judgment on Solomon until his death. Um, then after that, God causes a civil war. Israel splits up in the northern and southern kingdom. Uh, there's something like, I think it's 40 kings or 38 kings, something like that, um, between the two kingdoms. And, and as you read First and Second Kings, it's, it's rough, man. There, there's only eight of them that are good. And, and even a couple of those aren't that great. Like, they're pretty good, but they still do all kinds of stupid things. So you, you come to the end of Kings, and, and, and there's just this taste in your mouth, like, ah, like, it's not, that's not right. Like, this, there's no way that this is, it, these are the kings that, that God intended um, not the not the king from the line of David uh, that will save Israel and will reign forever on the throne. We'll pick up there next week. Let me pray. God, you are so good. Lord, it, it blows me away that you have you've made a way for us through Jesus. That you've said, man, I'm gonna take I'm gonna take on that punishment for you. I will become the curse. For you, because you can't do it, you need me, Lord. We uh, we want to worship you, God, Father. As we uh, as we get the offering now, um, Lord, I, I pray that um, you'd help us to make really wise decisions and, and help us to be a blessing, Lord, uh, to our community and beyond. God, um, Lord, we help us to use all the resources we have, whether they're financial or whatever you've given us, God. We help us, um, man, to be a light. Uh, among the nations, among our neighbors, among the community, Lord, among our co-workers. God, we, uh, we desperately need you. In your name, amen.